Please stand for the reading of God's word. Today's scripture comes out of the book of Mark, chapter 4, verses 35 to 41. That day when evening came, he said to his disciples, Let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. A furious squall came up, and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. Then the wind died down, and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, Who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. West Bulls, good morning. Thank you for being here in person and online. And would you thank our worship team and Brad and Shelby and our Stephen ministers this morning? Well, if we have not met, my name is Nathan. I will look forward to meeting you at some point. Um, I have one word to open this morning. Wind. My goodness. I, in my life, I mean, I've, I've been here for 34 years of my life. I'm, well, I'm actually 28, so I've been here like, uh, anyway, I've been here for 34 years of my life. I do not remember it being this windy this many days. It's, it's just crazy. Last night, we had a, our son was playing a baseball game, and the wind was going directly into the pitcher. So if the pitches made it to the plate, it was like a home run derby. It was amazing. So that final score was like 34, 32 or something like that. But anyway, um, so I thank you for being here and braving the elements because you wake up lately and it's just like, what, what are we going to get today? Now, in Colorado, when the wind comes up like this, sure, we get our windy days, but oftentimes, what is the wind warning you of? The storm. There's a storm coming. In fact, I looked later today. I think we're due for some moisture. Nowhere near as much as what you would think the wind was telling us was coming. But, uh, so, so wind is one way that we know a storm is coming. Um, but also, at least in my life personally, and I, I don't know if maybe it's like this for you, but also dads. Dads are incredible at warning you that storms are coming. Does, do any of you have that, Dad? Okay, let me explain what I mean. And I asked my dad for permission. Some of you guys think that I traumatized my family by, hang on just a second on that slide, but some of you think I traumatized my family by just telling stories. I ask permission. Uh, and if they say no, I just tell it anyway. But anyway, um, so I was talking to my dad, and my dad was a sailor. He was in the Coast Guard. He was in the Navy. And so he just got an eye for a storm. I mean, he can see the slightest, slightest cloud off in the distance, and he's like, oh, it's coming. It's coming, I can tell, the way that's going to develop. And so um, here's how dad's warning to us as a family comes up. And this came up on Instagram. And the girl who put this on Instagram, I was like, I think you're my long-lost sibling. 
I think we actually have the same dad, and we'll put this up for you right now. It's a series of texts that you get that sound like this. Winter storm warning. Next message. Starts this afternoon and goes into Friday afternoon. Next message. Rains, freezing, rain, excuse me, freezing rain, sleet, icing, and snow. Next message. Wind chills will be in the single digits. Roads will not be drivable. Walking will be dangerous. Get ready and hunker down. Now, can you feel the panic of getting those messages? And actually, my dad's incredible. He goes beyond this. He's like, fill up the propane tanks and gas up the car and make sure you've got freeze-dried food for the next two decades. And it's, it's, yeah, we get a good laugh out of it. And then this girl who posted what her dad's texts are like when there's a storm coming, she posts her mom's text. And here's what it is. Hope they cancel class, LOL. Mom, they haven't yet? No. Today is 2-2-22. Cool. Emoji. And I thought, yep, that, that is my parents right there. Um, so I don't know if you, if you have that. You know, sometimes we get the blessing of being told there's a storm coming. Right? We get this when it comes to physical weather. But as we all know, the storms of life that come up, there's very little warning for, isn't there? I mean, you don't have to think hard to think of a storm in life. Maybe one that you've recently come through, one that you're walking through, and of course none of us knows if one is coming. But we all know this. We all encounter them. I mean, I have yet to meet anybody who has ever been able to successfully avoid every single storm that they're hoping to avoid. And so it's with that that we actually jump back in to the book of Mark. Uh, just prior to Palm Sunday and Easter, we had been going through the book of Mark and, and we got about halfway through Mark chapter 4, just prior to Palm Sunday. And uh, then we had a, a couple weeks on email. And if you want to join us, we'll be doing most of this series here in person on Sunday mornings. But once in a while, there will be a midweek email that we send out. If you are interested in joining that list, it's right up here on the screen. You can go to westbulls.com, more information. And there's, it's, a, it's a midweek email that goes out. Sometimes we'll be in the book of Mark. Other times... I'll send you my favorite recipe or something like that. No, I won't do that. It, it will always be based on the word, but uh, we'll be going through Mark there as well. So we get to the end of chapter four here, and of course there's a storm. In fact, as I sat with this passage, and it's a well-known passage, I mean, many of you have read this passage, you know how the story goes, and, and so I'd ask you to come to this, maybe asking God to maybe sh- show you some things for the first time. I mean, I prayed that prayer about a month ago as I started looking through this passage. And you know what? I I realized he revealed four four truths to me from this passage that I want to share with you this morning. And and these aren't the only four truths in this passage, but I believe they're four truths that you got to know. Whether it's looking back on the last storm that you, you encountered or it's one that you're going through right now, or maybe you just need to know these and keep these in the heart for the next storm you encounter. Now, the first truth actually has to do with uh, before the storm ever comes about. So if you're hearing all this and you think, well, I don't really have any storms going on in my life right now, this part is for you absolutely right now. Let's just walk through the passage and we'll unpack these as we go. Verse 35 of chapter 4. That day when evening came, he, Jesus, said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side. Now, I want you to see something here. This is something that we, especially in your Bible, we've got these subheadings, okay? And you got to know those subheadings, those were not put there by God. Those were put there 
by human beings. And sometimes we forget this. But these, these subheadings are often to orient us to the, the idea, kind of an encompassing idea that that block of, of Scripture is about. But sometimes those subheadings actually get in the way of what's actually going on. I believe that to be the case here. Because those words, that day, when evening came, you know what that should do in our minds? That should cause us to stop and think, well, okay, what, what else happened that day? What else was Jesus up to that day? What else were Jesus and his disciples up to that day? And so if you were to just go back to Mark chapter 4, and you could even go back into Mark chapter 3, you would get a picture of what was going on that day, and you can't miss it. You see, we've had these teachings. Remember, Jesus is, is teaching these parables. And a, couple, a few weeks ago, we talked about this, that he would tell parables, and some people, they would hear it, and they'd go, okay, yeah, I, I think about that terms, in terms of myself. But then other people would, would hear these parables, and, and they would actually see, and they would actually hear, and, and th- there was something in that for them. And as we unpacked it a few weeks ago, what we came to is that the parables that Jesus told were, were to highlight the need, and they were in the context of our salvation. We are always in need of salvation. Now, if you were to walk through Mark chapter 4, you get these four pictures or parables that Jesus tells. He tells one about the seed and the different soils it lands in. Okay, and then we get a lamp, you know, a lamp on a stand. And then we get a parable about a seed that just grows day and night, whether we're aware of it or not. And then we get the parable of the mustard seed. So three of those four have what in common? A seed. Yeah, a seed. And then it says, that day when evening came. So all day long, we've been hearing about seeds and hearing about, put yourself in their sandals for a minute. You've been hearing about seeds all day long. And now that day when evening came, and, and as, as we know in our culture, after you've been taught and you've been taught and you've been taught, at the end of all that teaching, what comes at the end of teaching? A test. A test. I mean, our, our schools are set up this way. This is, this is just how we learn. This is how we do things. This is how we're wired. And so all day long, they've been hearing about the seed, and they've been hearing about the seed. And what you've got to remember about the seed is that it was a seed that grew abundantly when it fell in good soil, and it would grow consistently, and it would grow overwhelmingly and differently than maybe they would have imagined. I mean, Jesus talks about this mustard plant. And I got to tell you, I, I don't go home and look at my yard and think, I, I want mustard plants in my yard. None of us is thinking that. You know, we, we want the seed that we plant in our soil, we want that to look a certain way, don't we? We've got a picture in mind. But at the end of all this, all this teaching, there is a test coming. And they don't know it yet, but we get to, obviously, because we look back. Well, verse 36 says this. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along. I like that. I like that phrasing. They took him along. They looked at him. Ah, we'll take him. Might be good to have Jesus in the boat with you as you go across a, a sea. You know, it, it's like when you get on a plane. It's like, Lord, I, I know you're always with me, but just really be with me right now, okay? You know, it's just whatever we do. And so they look at him, and they took him along just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. 
So this is a reminder that that crowd that is always there, they're just, there they are again. He turns around and, oh, now they're in boats. Now they're following. Jesus just can't seem to escape a crowd, can he? They're following him. But here's the thing you got to remember. And you'll really need to remember as we get into this and as you get into a storm. What did Jesus just say to them? Let's go to the other side. So he had given them seed, teaching on seed all day long, the seed of God's word, and a promise. We are going to the other side. And so they took him along just as he was. Truth number one is this. Because just as he was doesn't sound that exciting, does it? I mean, just as he was sounds like, well, he's probably tired from teaching all day. But truth number one is this. There's always, always a connection between the seed of God's word and the needs of our lives. Always. Now, that's, that's hard to remember sometimes, isn't it? Because a lot of times, you know, you know when we run to the seed of God's word? We run to the seed of God's word after the storm has already hit. And, and that's fine. But I have to ask, even myself as I read this, why is he giving them all this teaching on the seed of God's word that grows into these incredible things in advance? It's because when you get into a storm, it is hard to remember. It is hard to remember a whole lot, isn't it? We've got a neighbor whose daughter graduated from the Air Force Academy. She went through um, school to be a fighter pilot. And she said when they get into times, uh, they're, they're trained, that when they get into times of battle or, warf- or warfare or just intensity, they've got this whole cockpit in front of them. There are all these buttons and all these levers and all these switches. And yet what they train on are those three Three buttons. There are three buttons that are front and center for them. I couldn't tell you what they do. She just told me there's three buttons, okay? But this is what Jesus is doing. He's saying, look, when, when the storm comes, you know, you're going to want to be able to keep, keep your wits about you and hold on to everything. And we all know that's not true. I mean, that's just not what happens, is it? And so Jesus, in advance, what, he, what we discover he's been doing that whole day is he's been giving them the basics Here's what you're going to need, and I'm going to provide it in advance. But oftentimes, we overlook it. You know, a couple of weeks ago, I remember I went to the store. I wanted to get some water. I just wanted to get some water. I, rather than get it out of my tap like I should, instead, I go to the store, and I'm like, I'm just thirsty, and I had to go somewhere and run some errands. And, and here's what I'm doing. I'm thirsty, but I really wanted Arrowhead water, okay? I like their bottles, that's it. I just like their bottles. It's a cool name. All right. And there was no arrowhead bottles of water. And so I get so caught up in the form of the bottle that the water is served in that guess what I totally forgot to do? Buy water. Yeah. And I left. I'm driving up the highway. and I'm like, why am I so thirst? I didn't get water. I did not get water. And this is what we do. So often we start moving through life and we get into a storm and we forget We forget about that seed of God's word. Well, this now leads us into a couple truths that we have to remember in the storm as we keep going through the passage. Verse 37, a furious squall came up and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Now, you got to understand that the Sea of Galilee, it's about 700 feet below the Mediterranean Sea's, the sea level. And so there's this valley of really hot air 
that will just draw storms down into it. It still happens to this day. And they're, they're often described as violent, violent storms for anybody who's, who's in that region. A furious squall came up and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Now, you read that and you just think, that's pretty much how we would describe the storms we go through, wouldn't we? Here's the thing that's just been capturing me about this. You know, we, we all can connect the dots to being in a storm because we've run from God, can't we? I mean, you remember the story of Jonah, right? What was he doing? And we're told in the first two, three verses of Jonah chapter one, God tells him, hey, I'm going to send you to the Ninevites, and he ran. He ran the other way. And what does God do in Jonah chapter one, verse four? And God sent a storm on the sea. See, we, we all can connect the dots to ending up in a storm because we're running from God. But these guys, they're in a storm because they're following Jesus. See, one of the things you've got to know, you've got to know, and this is one of the things I tell new Christians when I encounter them, storms are coming. To follow Jesus is not to suddenly be exempted from stormy times in life. It is going to happen. And you get to the next verse, and this is just the most irritating part right here. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. You ever feel like God is sleeping during your storm? Yeah. It can always feel like he's asleep in our storms, can't we? And see, the disciples, they've got an issue. And they've got the same issue you and I do because we get the sense that God is slumbering and sleeping during our storms. And you know how we take that? We misinterpret that as a sign that he doesn't care. We completely misread it. And we get anxious because maybe, maybe he does care, but I can't wrap my mind about, around that because I don't see him caring in the way I would prefer he would care. And so I, I have to wonder how this conversation went. V- verse 38, the disciples woke him and said to him, teacher, don't you care if we drown? Now, if you see Jesus sleeping on a cushion in a boat in a storm, how are you deciding who's waking him up? As I'm not doing it. They're just not going to do it. And yet they shake him. Don't you care if we drown? Now, you got to remember, some of these guys are fishermen. Remember, some of the disciples who followed Jesus are fishermen, which should tell us something about the severity of the storm. And I can get that. I can get that because remember, Jesus had given them that promise, we are going to the other side. We're going to get to the other side. But that's, that's hard to reconcile, isn't it? When you've got a sense that, Jesus, you're going to see me through this, and you've got that promise, but when a problem comes up in front of you, it's hard to see, isn't it? Lord, I hear what you're saying, but I can't reconcile that with what I'm seeing. None of us can. <clears throat> Excuse me. There'd been no doubt that these guys had navigated storms. No doubt whatsoever. But this brings up another truth about being in the storm. See, storms will also always reveal faith's growth or fear's grip on us. Storms always reveal faith's growth from that seed of the word of God or fear's grip on us. 
can't they? There's, there's a man named George Morgan Campbell. Uh, as a preacher, I believe, over a century ago. He said, what we do in the time of crisis has everything to do with whether we see our current crisis, our current crisis sitting in the light of God, or if we see God sitting in the shadow of the crisis. See, those are two different things, aren't they? Absolutely two different things. And so I guess if there's any practical takeaway, I know this is like earlier in the message than you're used to it, but if there's any practical takeaway, I think it's worth us stopping and just thinking. Think about the last storm you were in. Or think about a current storm you're in. What are you rehearsing right now? What are you rehearsing? Are you rehearsing the storm and what the storm is doing and the effects the storm is having? And so-and-so did this to me and it's not fair and it's just not working out. Or are we rehearsing that our Heavenly Father, who is provider, who is good in his character, he provided the seed of the word of God. See, you can only rehearse one or the other. So what are we rehearsing? And I get it. This can be very intimidating to get into because it's like, where do I start? Should I shut my eyes and just open the book and point and I'll just memorize that? And then you get to a name that you can't even pronounce and, and you quit, right? This is my journey anyway. But start with this passage. I mean, if you're looking for something to begin rehearsing, just, just start with this passage this week. Because what we rehearse is going to determine what we do when the storm hits. Well, Jesus. Jesus, you know, we're about to get his answer. He's just been shaken awake, and I know how I would respond if I had just been shaken awake. But here's, here's what we read. He got up. I like that, too. See, a couple verses earlier, we read that a furious squall came up, and here Jesus got up. I mean, what a picture of the Christian life, right? A storm comes up, and in response, Jesus got up. He got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, quiet, be still. Then the wind died down, and it was completely calm. I mean, can you just imagine that? Jesus stands up in the boat you're in, looks at the clouds, and says, knock it off. Quiet. And the storm just retreats, like tail between its legs. It's just gone. Knock it off. Verse 40, he said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? Do you still have no faith? I mean, on the one hand, I want to say, well, Jesus, I mean, it was just like the day of. You just spent all day teaching. We're kind of slow learners. You know, give us some time. And he says, do you still have no faith? And I believe what's happening here is that Jesus is actually taking their question. God, aren't you concerned? And he's actually giving them an answer far better than what they were even asking for. It's as if Jesus is saying, I'm, I'm so concerned that I actually gave you the seed of God's word in advance of the storm. And now I'm so confident that I can sleep. See, this was not a sleep of, of not caring. This was a sleep of perfect, steadfast trust on our behalf. Because Jesus knew that the word that he shared was directly, it was, it was the word of God. 
and that it would grow into something so much greater than the greatest, most fearsome of storms. I mean, just think back. Mark chapter 4. What did that seed grow into? We talked about this in the email this last week. There were three things. If you, if you go through those seed parables of Mark 4 that it grew into, there was a crop when it landed on good soil. There was grain when it would grow day and night without our awareness. And there was shade. There was shade and branches that birds would perch on. See, the seed always grows into something greater than the storm. And you see it throughout his teaching that day. But there's something else at stake here. See, what they would also need in that moment was actually rest. Because if you, as, as we continue through Mark chapter 4, you get into Mark chapter 5, and it's on the heels of this evening and this night that there's very real ministry work ahead of Jesus and his disciples. They'd encounter a demoniac. They would encounter a, a dead girl, a father pleading for his dead girl to be brought to life. A bleeding woman who'd just been bleeding for years and years and years. And so Jesus is actually doing the absolute best thing he could be doing, is resting in his confident trust of his heavenly Father. Truth number three about the storm is this. We emphasize either the seed of God's word or the storms of life and sleep through the other. You will emphasize either the storm that you're in or the seed of God's word. And you will sleep through the other one. Do you want to know where their fear came from? Their hearts had gotten lethargic, spiritually lethargic. They had slept through it because of the focus on the storm. And while we could point at them and say, oh, I would do differently, we do the same thing, don't we? See, if my focus is on the storm and what it's doing constantly, that is strength that we are losing for the work ahead of us and for the ministry opportunities he gives us. But if you could just rehearse, and if you could continue to stick with that seed of God's word, you know what it does? It gives you rest. It gives you rest even while the wind and the rain and all of it are swirling around you. You rest for what's ahead. But oftentimes, I think we, we get so tired, we don't see it, right? There's an old story about a man, he's lost at sea, he's in the water because his boat has fallen apart, and so he prays this prayer, Lord, Lord, save me. And so along comes two guys in a canoe, and they say, hey, do you need any help? And the guy, he's just so tired. He looks at the canoe, and he's like, I've, huh, that couldn't possibly help me, and so they keep going. So then somebody else comes along in a tugboat, and um, they say, hey, do you need any help? And he goes, oh, gosh, that's, that's not really designed for, like, passengers because, you know, he's just, he just can't see. He can't see the help. And a cruise ship comes along, and somebody leans over and says, hey, can, can you help? Or do you need help? He goes, nah, it's just too big to get onto. So he ends up in heaven. He's standing before God, and he says, why didn't you help me? Why didn't you help me? And I thought, that's exactly what we do. We get so tired when we get so focused on the storm that we can't see the help that he's putting right in front of our faces. Well, the storm has now calmed down. And we arrive at one more truth. And this is a truth for after the storm. For when the storm has passed, 
Here's what we read in verse, uh, chapter 4, verse 41. They were terrified and asked each other, Who is this? Who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. You want to know what storms do? Storms actually help you develop your theology of who God is. See, it often takes a storm for us to see the character of God, doesn't it? There's a professor at Denver Seminary, Howard Baker. He says this, Theology often is less about getting God right and more about getting God less wrong. And I believe that part of forming our theology is God will allow those storms. We pray to be protected from him, and he says, no, I'll, I'll allow it. I mean, you just think about all these disciples had seen. You know, they, they walked around, they'd seen him heal, they'd seen him do incredible things, and yet they hadn't seen this. And so here, a storm gives them an even fuller picture of who God is. But here's the other thing a storm will do. Storm will also ask you to, to cause you to ask yourself, who is this to me? What's that relationship look like? I mean, is, is, he, is he a helper? Is, is he somebody that we think about on Sunday? Or is he Lord and Savior? Is he the one that I need every single step of the way? Truth number four. Storms will bring a better understanding of our Savior. Storms will always bring a better understanding of our Savior. See, everybody's going to encounter a storm, but those who follow Jesus, disciples encounter storms differently. And we see them differently. We see them kind of like this story, and I'll wrap up right after this. It's about a cargo ship that left Hong Kong back in 1992. Let me read this to you. In 1992, a cargo ship left Hong Kong bound for the U.S. While en route, the ship hit rough seas and several shipping containers were washed overboard and lost at sea. One of the lost shipping containers held 28,000 plastic bath toys, rubber ducks, turtles, and frogs. The container broke open and the toys were set free into the the Pacific. There we go. From there, they began to travel. A few... Lucky ducks, pun intended, landed in Hawaii. Some made shore in Alaska. Others others beached in South America, Australia, and the Pacific Northwest. The plastic toys have been found frozen in Arctic ice. Others made their way to Scotland and Newfoundland in the Atlantic. There are also some 2,000 plastic toys that still, to this day, bob around in the North North Pacific. Uh, the turning gyre holds a floating plastic trash heap, where, where 2,000 of these are believed to be, a floating trash heap about the size of Texas. Even 30 years later, some of the rubber ducks still break free of the grasp of this trash heap. It occasionally happens. A 30-year-old rubber duck washes up on the Alaskan shore. But it doesn't just happen, and the ducks don't set themselves free. Instead, it takes something external, a shift in the wind, a storm that blows across, marine life that bumps a duck out of the current. If not for an outside influence, the ducks would stay trapped in the floating trash heap. Makes you think about avoiding storms, doesn't it? 
Because if not for the storm, we may not encounter the glory of our Savior. And so, may we walk out of here reminded that it's better the storm with Jesus than smooth waters without him. You got to remember that. You want to know why? And as the worship team comes back up, come back to that great promise Jesus made. We are going to the other side. So we have to ask ourselves, who is this? Who is this? He is the Savior who looks at you and he looks at me and in every single storm in life. And honestly, the, the big, great storm that this life can be. And he says, we are going to the other side. Will you be there? Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, Lord, we're so used. We're so used to guarding against and, and trying to avoid and plotting and planning and trying to get around the storms of life. That Lord, thank you for the reminder of Mark chapter 4, verses 35 through 41, and honestly, all of Mark chapter 4, that you are a God who, who is so concerned about what we go through that you gave us the very provision of what we would need in advance, a Savior who speaks the seed of the Word of God. So, Lord, even if it's just starting with this passage this week, I pray for every single person in here. Lord, plant that seed of your Word in our hearts and grow it. No, we don't get say over how it grows, but, Lord, give us that great assurance that you are growing it into a crop, you're growing it into a great, large plant above ground, in one that nourishes and shades those we encounter. Lord, remind us. Remind us it's far better to be in the storm with you than in smooth waters without you. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.